Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's a pleasure today to be here with Dean Wilson, who is president and CEO of the Turner Foundation and also the host of The Good Life, Good Life TV, a very inspirational television show that um, I've sort of uh, watched a little bit from afar over the years and sort of gotten into several of the episodes lately. And uh, we're going to have a fantastic conversation about Dean and his mission, his goals, his positivity, his faith, and uh, just kind of have a robust conversation about all the things that are at the center of his life. Dean Wilson, how are you doing today? Great, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you taking time. Uh, I have watched you kind of from afar on TVSB, and uh, you have your shows also available widely, you know, on YouTube and other places. And I was been always struck by your enthusiasm for life, your optimism. You're obviously a man of faith. And I was recently at the uh, Santa Barbara Prayer Breakfast, and I heard you talk there. And that was a great event as well. So I just kind of wanted to dive right in, Dean, and sort of talk to you about 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 you and and, and your approach and your show. What are you trying to do with your show, and why is goodness so important and essential to sort of your story and your mission? Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I uh, you know, we can t- probably talk a little bit about my personal story at some point. I, I with this show about four years ago, I you know we had a we had a interest in bringing something uh forth that was dwelling on the good stuff and the great stories and i you know this because you're you've been a journalist and you 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 talk to people all the time but what i've found is in doing this for four years we've we've taped i think 271 shows and and i every single time and i don't say that i i really mean that um i've been just surprised and and struck by the genius the beauty the goodness the gifts that are in each person um i i think it's been really an amazing experience for me to do this because every time the person that sits on that couch i mean most of the time i've read their you know i do my research i've read their bio and i've read about them and what they've done but but I'm still surprised that just at the stories that come out, the personal, the, you know, the, the, uh, the gifting, the God given abilities, the passions, the, the suffering that people, some people have been through and overcome. Um, we've had people from all walks of life, famous people, not mostly not famous people. Um, we've had, you know, public servants, athletes, coaches, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, uh, kids, older people with amazing life stories. And so what the purpose of good life and, and kind of what my heart was is that, you know, we get to choose what we dwell on and, and, and in this world of, um, where it's very noisy and there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot, of, it's only gotten worse and there's a lot of division. There's a lot of, you know, the, uh, focus on the negative and there's plenty of reasons to fight. You know, if we, if you're looking for a reason to fight, you'll find one. Uh, but we get to choose what we dwell on. And so when, when all of a sudden we're, we're, we're 
dwelling on the good stuff and the overcoming and the and there's a scripture about this that says you know whatever's good whatever's pleasant whatever's noble whatever's beautiful whatever's um praiseworthy dwell on these things and so that to me is kind of an encouragement that you know we get to choose what we dwell on and so what we want to do at good life is help people to dwell on and and learn and hear from and be inspired by and encouraged by these guests uh that I get the privilege of kind of unpacking the 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 present, you know, when, when when we do these interviews. And man, it's it's been a stunning, wonderful experience. Sometimes, you know, and it's not again, it's not flashy necessarily. I mean, we've had some famous people, but mostly it's the the lady in Ventura who's doing a food bank or a clothing closet or a you know, or or the the family that's t- adopted, you know, nobody knows about. No nobody knows they're not on TV usually except for my show i mean they they don't get noticed you know these families that um uh, that that have adopted and and it's been tough you know the, the it's not, and it's not all and josh another thing it's not all flowery and like it's not like it's not you know like about what you think about when you hear, hear about the good life like fancy cars and you know high fences and you know like wealth and you know perfection that's not it at all it's about the real good life everybody's looking for the real good life in fact i think there's a class at harvard or yale about the good life it's the most it's the class that's most in demand on campus they line up Uh because everybody wants the good life and and i think the world can trick you sometimes into thinking well if i climb the ladder or if i you know work at hard enough or make enough money or have enough success that I'll have the good life. And then unfortunately you get to the top of the ladder and it's not there. The real good life is things like perseverance and faith and love and joy and, uh, you know, overcoming and, and all that. And so I think I've learned a lot in this four year journey. It's, it's been so wonderful um, to, to unpack these gifts of, of these amazing people again, not perfection. And, and by the way, we don't gloss over difficulty. We've had kids, we've had parents that have lost, lost kids. We've had special needs situations. We've had, you know, addiction and brokenness. Like we don't, it's not glossing over. It's not, we can face it. You know, we can handle the truth. Like we, we, we talk about the real stuff, but what we're dwelling on is, is the beauty in all this. And so it's been fun. I, I'm so grateful to get to do this. I'm so grateful for all the guests and viewers. And, and I just want to keep going because I'm like, you know, the more that I've done this, I'm like, you know, people ask, well, how long do you want to do this? I'm like, well, we have 360 million Americans. You know, I've got a, I've got a ways to go. We're only at 271. You know, I want to, I'd love to do this the rest of my life. God willing, we'll see what happens, but, but it's been really fun um, and a great, and a great adventure for us. Yeah. There's no doubt that you can't um, walk away from watching one of your episodes and not be more appreciative of someone's personal story or the good things that happen all around us that we may not know about. And you know, it's tough because, you know, as a journalist, like one of our core sort of teachings is we write about things where there's conflict, right? Like we write about things where there's a breakdown in the system. And so right. journalists have to shine a light on that and 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 hold systems or individuals accountable. 
Yeah. So media often gets sort of this like reputation for being, oh, well, you only focus on the negative. And so there are people who get that, you know, it's like, well, we're not focusing on the negative. We're focusing on this problem and how do we fix it? Yeah. There's always an appetite for just goodness, like positivity. What are the good stories in the community that don't have sort of this challenge or this issue? And so I think you do a good job of tapping into that. And also, everyone's got a story, right? Everybody's right. Sort of got That's right. something in them that they've overcome. Uh, you know, Dean, I know you're a Westmont grad. Talk to yeah. me a little bit about you and your upbringing and how did you find God? How, how did you find yeah. faith? Were, were you uh, straight out of the womb, uh, you know, a man of purpose or did you uh, get there through other experiences in your life? Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Thank you. It, it, I, I was raised um, in, in Orange County down in Southern California. And, and yeah, I was, I was a pastor's son. My grandfather was also a minister. He's from Ireland. He was an evangelist. So I was certainly raised in the faith and I, I did early on um, uh, make a decision in that regard. I, um, and I always loved God. I, 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 for some reason, that's just, that's, where I've landed. I, I, I just had, I, 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 I liked him. I loved him. I thought I knew he loved me. Um, and I, and I was on that journey. I went to Westmont and had a great experience at Westmont, met my wife at Westmont and a lot of really dear friends of mine, um, and, and, and grew and, and I'm the biggest Westmont college fan that you'll probably meet. Um, we have had seven family members go to Westmont, including our oldest daughter who just graduated last uh, December. So we're, yeah, we're huge Westmont fans. I love the college. Um, and then I, you know, we embarked on our life. I, uh, I, I went to work on wall street, uh, for a firm called Morgan Stanley, um, and did, did that work, ended up moving over to Wachovia bank and, and uh, did that work for eight years and then ended up deciding to, to move out of that business and do some other things, including kind of some of the um, ministry oriented, real estate oriented, nonprofit oriented, um, work, uh, here and in Dallas, we had our family in Dallas, Texas for 10 years. So I, I, I kind of, I've, I've been entrepreneurial and, and, and I love, uh, building things. I love dreaming and rallying other people with me to do something great. And then that's what I try to do as best I can. Uh, somewhere along, we had a, we had a, we did have a special needs child 21 years ago, uh, put a lot of, it's, it's a very stressful and tough thing to walk through. Uh, it's ended up being a huge blessing. One of the greatest gifts we've ever been given, but it was certainly challenging. And we had five kids total. She was number two in the, in the lineup. And, uh, and I broke down. I, I really pretty much crashed, um, about 13 years ago, I, I, uh, I, I started drinking. I, and interestingly, I never had a drink till I was 21 years old. Uh, funny enough, but I've made up for it. <laughs> I, uh, you know, in my thirties and then, you know, I, I really, I, I started to, to deal with stress, um, and, and in a way that became dependent on alcohol, um, uh, and I didn't, it was kind of a frog in a frying pan experience for me. It was, you know, it was, it, it grew, you know, alcoholism in general, just like a lot of other addictions are progressive. You know, they don't get better with time. They, 
get worse. You don't kind of plateau and kind of keep it at a certain level. It ends up taking you to places you never thought you'd go. Uh, and that happened to me. Uh, I, it took me change, you know, took me down. And I think, you know, I, I believe in God and I also believe that there's an enemy. Uh, and, um, and I really think the enemy's goal was to kind of destroy me. Um, and he almost did. Uh, I was in a real bad place and, and got completely wrapped up in this thing. And, um, it was a dark, tough season. I was still running companies at the time. And I, I did have some, you know, made some, you know, ha- had some blow ups in along the way as typical people that are in that do, uh, blew up a lot of relationships, friendships. You know, I was just not me. Um, and so it, yeah, it took me down. I, on, I think it was November 4th, 2010. I, um, I woke up and the house was empty, uh, which was a scary thing. Um, and it was just, we came to a point where my wife, you know, took our kids and nothing violent. I don't want to alarm anybody. There was no, you know, nothing, no, no, none of that. It was just a point where she had said, you know, this has got to change. And, uh, that was a very courageous act on her part. Um, and so that led me to being, uh, going away to treatment for, uh, I was away, I think 51 days, uh, from my family, uh, some down, down in South Texas uh, near the Guadalupe river in, in, uh, in, 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 uh, in South Texas at a treatment center for the first 33 days. And then I, and I was in another house of a friends of ours who ran a program. I was there for the rest of it. And, um, and, and, and I think at that point, Josh, I, I really, that's, you talk about found, found God. I, I certainly believed early on in my life, but I never found God like I did in that one room cabin uh, by myself one night in November of 2010. Um, that, I had a real experience with the grace and mercy of God because I thought I lost everything at that point in time. Uh, I thought I literally, I thought I'd lost the businesses, the, 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 the my, potentially my marriage and kids. I had blown through a lot of friendships uh, along the way. I, I literally thought I have not like I've nothing. And, uh, and, and so when, when I was desperate, and there's nothing I could do. I had no technology. You know, I wouldn't, you can't, you know, no email, no, no zero, no music. I had my Bible and some clothes and toiletries and I'm in this one room cabin and you want to talk about long days. The days get real long <laughs> when you're, when you're not checking Instagram and, you know, taking calls and being with your friends or whatever, you know, man, the days get long. Yeah. So I'm walking the Hills in South Texas. I'm, and I am crying out to God. And then this one, and I, but I'm not doing well. <clears throat> and then, and then this one night I, yeah, I was literally on my face on the floor. It's a wood floor in this one room cabin by myself. And I, I was crying out to God desperate. Um, and I had an experience with, with God. It was almost a physical experience. Like I, I was overwhelmed by mercy. I like you. I love you. I'm with you. And I, I it was this, amazing night um that changed me and i i i wrote about it in my little journal thing that i had in that because i was the next day because i was like what just happened and i i 
that started something new because I was trying to achieve, achieve, achieve. And I was building my life, I think, on some false foundations like money, achievement, um, even my family. You know, your family can become an idol, actually, because you think, oh, look at me, you know. So everything was out the window. And I, I was left with, what if I'm just Dean, like just this guy? Like, what if it's stripped down to Dean? Like, no title, no this, that, not even really any friends. I mean, I, you know, it was pretty got pretty thin in the friend department, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and I actually ended up feeling okay. Like, actually I think I'm okay. God loves me. God likes me. God forgives me. I, I, uh, I experienced that grace and, and that really changed me that, that since then it is, you know, obviously life's not without its bumps, but, but, but fundamentally I, I had to really go, you know, the scripture talks about the threshing floor when you're, you know, you're kind of pounded into, you know, oblivion in some case. I really had to go to the threshing floor in my own life, and and I did, and I don't want to go back there, uh, but I'm grateful because I really got, uh, I think, you know, had, had a profound encounter that changed my life. So I'm grateful. You know, I ended up, um, obviously, my wife stayed, and we we. Um, and our kids and I ended up rebuilding and by the grace of God. And, um, I feel like I'm, you know, uh, I'm just grateful. I feel like, you know, I don't deserve, you know, uh, it's not about deserving or earning anymore. It's like, everything is a gift. So I'm, I'm so grateful for what I get to do now. I'm so grateful for my family. I'm so grateful that I'm still here and that, you know, that this thing didn't completely take me down, but, but it was, it was quite a deal. And, uh, so I don't gloss over that part of my story. I, I, I got to share this in 2022 at the, at that prayer breakfast, I got to actually share my whole story, which was kind of fear and trembling to like say it out loud. <laughs> Let me tell you about my worst moments, but I decided to do that. I'm, I'm so grateful that I did. And, um, and just put it out there that, Hey, this happened and this is a problem and something I've dealt with. And, and, um, and so, yeah, so that's that my faith journey certainly has not been like this one hit wonder kind of thing where I just, you know, came to God at eight years old and it's been great. You know, in my case, it's been, it's been a journey. It's had bumps, it's had suffering, it's had difficulty suffering. You know, I think suffering can come in the form of self-inflicted suffering, like, a lot of mine was related to drinking and then there's suffering that comes on you in life. Like, you know, having a severely brain damaged child, you know, we didn't do anything to, to make that happen, but it happened. And so suffering can, and people deal with suffering all the time. I mean, and, and, and suffering is a big part of life, but I, I, when I tell my story or I share, I, I don't, I don't edit out the parts. I try not to edit out the, I mean, nobody needs all the gory details, but I, I try to, I try to tell the truth about, you know, Hey, here's, here's what happened and here's what I dealt with and, and deal with. And, uh, and hopefully that gives hope to, to somebody, but so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great journey. I, I, I still love God. I trust him. I depend on him. I, I, in that time, I learned something about being utterly, dependent on God. And I try to stay in a posture of being dependent. So even if things are going better, 
sometimes that can be more challenging to remain utterly dependent because you can start to go on your own skills and gifts and strengths and think that, okay, you know, I got this, but the truth is I don't got this. <laughs> and I, I, I want to remain uh, having a posture of dependence on him. And I, and I, and that's what I try to do because that's the best place to live. He's so good and so able and so, uh, loving that he's one that could be dependent on. So that's why I try to stay in that posture. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that story because it takes a lot of strength, courage, vulnerability. And I know you shared it at the prayer breakfast a year ago, but uh, thank you because people will uh, relate and identify and take inspiration from that. And, uh, you know, alcohol is such a insidious disease because alcoholism, because it's one of those things where, as a culture, we embrace, right? We, we, we endorse it. It's like, you can get it at the liquor store, at this grocery store, and there's commercials and football and the whole right. thing. But, you know, we all know quietly behind the scenes, it destroys families because yeah. you in the public, like, you know, if you have a, a prominent person, they may not see the alcoholism, but the family members do when they go right. home. That's they, right. And so it's so horrible because we can, Embrace the happy hour culture, right? But at home, who pays for that? The children, the spouses, the family members. Yeah, and it's not something you can just like kick. Like you, you, it's it's a it's a disease, you know. And uh, it's I think yeah, you're so right. And there's that yeah, the whole cultural kind of thing. But I and I and I felt that way, Josh. I mean, there there was you know, alcohol works until it doesn't, right? Just like most things, you know, it works until it doesn't. And, you know, some people get hooked on whatever. We're all probably hooked on something, whether it's workaholism or pornography or or prescription drugs or alcohol or this or that or this or that. But they all work, you know, pretty much until they don't. But so alcohol, I mean, I'd go into a party. I'd feel, you know, 10 feet tall and bulletproof with some alcohol. So for a while, it's kind of like, ah, all right, this is nice. I like, you know, you kind of lose your inhibitions or insecurities and and then it's and then you realize this it doesn't work yeah. uh you're number one you're an idiot uh <laughs> oftentimes and uh there's a joke my brother and all my brother uh johnny and i always say we say uh when do you know you're an alcoholic and the answer is about two years after everybody else <laughs> <laughs> So you do make an idiot out of yourself from time to time, but, but you, uh, but, but, and then also, you know, what I, what I came to discover was that I started to like myself sober and I was like, oh, wow. Well, maybe I'm not, you know, I don't need to do this to try to be like, it's a different thing when you come to a place where you forgive yourself and then you, and then you actually begin to like yourself and and to be able to go into a party or I go to parties all the time or social situations where everybody's drinking and to be able to be good and OK and actually happy, and you know, it, it, without having that happen because I had to have, you know, four drinks before I went to the party mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, so th- that's been a, a nice change, you know, where it's like, OK, well, actually, I don't need this. And for me, I, I, I don't I don't begrudge anybody to, to drink. I think, and I think, you know, 85 or whatever, they say 5% or whatever, 10% of the population has kind of this issues. If you want to frame it as a disease or whatever. So I think most people 
you know, can have a drink or two or whatever, and and there's no issue and it's totally fine. Like, so I don't begrudge anybody from, from drinking. Um, it's the dependence. It's the, am I looking to alcohol as uh, to, to comfort me, to, to, to deal with problems, to, you know, to function. Um, and that's where it is a, is an issue is, is okay. All of a sudden I need this, you know, and then you're, you know, the drinking's owning you, you're not owning the drinking. Uh, And so I, 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 you know, yeah, you're, you're right. In a, in a culture that kind of glorifies it, I think we have to be careful. I think especially with our young people, we have, we have to have to be careful that, you know, that we're, that, that this isn't glorified to a point where it's not telling the truth about the damage it does. Cause it does. You're exactly right. And even if there's not physical violence or stuff in the home, there can be a emotional yeah. wall, right? Oftentimes, so some a mentor that I've looked up to said that he said, you know, it was stealing my, it was competing for my affections. It was, there was something happening emotionally with my kids or emotionally with my friends where I wasn't there. I wasn't available right? because alcohol had kind of taken over my affections. I think that's a very, that's a damaging thing. So, so you're so right. I mean, it does damage. It's, it is insidious and it does damage to marriages and friendships, even if there's not outbursts or DUIs or something that's very obvious, it yeah. can, be un- it can be subtle and under, under the surface. So, so yeah. I'm in my case, I, I, you know, um, I'm done drinking and, uh, and it's been a really good thing for me. I'm so grateful, uh, for that. And it's, you know, it's, yeah, I, I'll, my next drink will be in heaven. <laughs> I, th- I heard they have great wine, so I'm looking forward to that, but there won't be any addiction or any problem there. So I, my next drink will be in heaven. Yeah. Well, that's a drink to look forward to for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, you know, people who are around alcoholism, they like, they learn to read people's moods instantly, right? right? Like, is dad drunk today? Is he right. sober? And so you learn to, even though you, there's no DUI or there's no big domestic violence thing, although we do know alcohol can lead to those things too. It's yep. something as simple as the child's like, how do I need to react to this parent right, right. now, this right. person right now? And they don't understand that that right. child grows up. And then they become distrustful. They become paranoid. They become skeptical because they can't ever trust someone to be linear and the same all the time. They're always wondering, when is the movie going to drop? To happen? Right. You know? right. And right. so that's like right. challenges. So it's great that you were able to overcome that. So yeah. And I, and by the way, I'm, especially with our, our older children, I mean, I, I am still doing the work yeah. to, to repair the damage that was done. So I'm, we've done counseling. I, you know, I want the damage that was done to be fully repaired. I want the relationships restored and I'm, I've told everybody I'm willing to crawl on broken glass to to get to, because I own it. it. It was my fault and nobody else. So I, 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 I'm committed for the rest of my life to, to, to repair damage and restore relationships that were damaged in that process. That's not easy, by the way, that's not easy. I thought, yeah, I, I didn't anticipate that. That's not easy at all. So I I'm doing that. And I, 
encourage. I mean, obviously the 12 steps, I mean, talk about making amends and, and restoring as far as it's up to you if it doesn't cause pain for other people. But, and I think that's a great principle for life, by the way, uh, that uh, you want, you, you need to own it, make amends, make things right, and then try to repair and restore relationships because it, it does, it's like a, it's carnage. There can be a lot of carnage, a lot of collateral damage. Um, and, uh, and so I'm committed to that. Yeah. Well, you have a beautiful family, uh, based off of, you know, what I've seen with your photos and your website and, you know, you in the community. So, you know, you're definitely doing good work there and they love you, um, you know, through all of this. Yeah. I want to ask you a little bit about, um, your, your faith with God and how that intersects with, just sort of works out there in the world because yeah. um, we know, you know, we've always lived in these times, you know, particularly now with all, everyone having a perspective of social media and the internet is that sometimes if you bring up that you're faith filled or that you believe in God or that you're a Christian, it's a, it's a turnoff to people who, who don't believe that. And they automatically think, Oh, that means you're anti this, you're right. anti that you're a hater you're you know you're judging and um in my experience you know there's there there are people who obviously do that but there are also a lot of christians who who feel like no we don't do that and 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 we you know we we're not judging anyone we just um you know feel a certain way about certain things in the world but can you talk about how you speak to people whether it's through the turner foundation or just you through the good life who are automatically like, oh, you're a Christian. That means you're anti this and I can't be your friend. How do you navigate those conversations? Yeah, that's, that's so true. And um, unfortunately, Christians, I I think of some, and you know, some parts have have earned that uh, reputation and that's, it's, it's unfortunate. It really, it really is unfortunate. Um, and it's not God. You know, what God wants us to do is love people, serve people. You know, I certainly believe, you know, politically you can stand for your convictions, but you don't have to do it in a way that's destructive and you don't have to do it in a way that's judgmental. There's no room for judgment. We can, you can believe something and you can believe it and you can stand with that. I think, you know, on, on either side, I think the, the division in the in the the malice, you know, Abraham Lincoln talked about malice toward none. The problem we have right now is there's malice on both sides, mm-hmm. and we the, in the heart of God there's no malice. So so we if we have malice towards political opponents or towards people who don't believe like we do, we got a problem. So check your, the first thing to do is we have to check our heart. People of faith better check their heart because even if you're believing something about the culture or you want to stand fine, but there can't be malice and, and same you know, on both sides. And then I, and also we can't cancel each other. We, you know, we, we can't, we can't say you're not allowed to talk. That's not America either. So we can't, so we have to have malice toward none and then we, we, we can't, we had to let people talk, let people talk. And I, you know, I, I try to have, I, I try, I, I have great love for people, right, left, center. I don't care. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I love people. Um, so that's my personal take is that, you know, malice toward none would not be a bad, you know, uh, goal at this point. Um, even the, you know, the people that you greatly disagree with, or I, I think malice toward none is the, is what has to be in our heart. Um, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, we, I operate, you know, if, um, I don't, I'm not very political in terms of, you know, talking about stuff. The Turner Foundation certainly is not. It's a, for Turner Foundation's a 501c3 public charity. We, we have housing, fair housing. We, we accept everybody. Uh, we just want to serve. We want to lift people up. And I think if there's one thing, you know, that brings people together actually is service. You know, both sides of the aisle, I think, have a heart to serve people. I care for people. I would hope Um, they they might do it in different ways, but but we need to have a heart of service, which is what Jesus modeled. I mean, Jesus was God, in my opinion, and he 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 was interested in foot washing. You know, he, he wasn't wealthy. He didn't own a house. He wasn't taking. He wasn't dominating people or judging or, you know creating division, you know, unnecessary division. He was who he was. He was clear about who he was. I, I love that. He was on mission, but fundamentally foot washing was kind of one of the things he was big on serving. And so I think if we serve, it brings people from all walks of life. It, most people have an, have, have, have an interest in helping others. That's who we're made to be. And so I think that's actually something that unites us. I think Carl Jung uh, was had the famous quote where he said, you know, we don't, modern man can't see God because he doesn't look low enough. Uh, I think sometimes we don't, we, we, if we want to fight and we want to tell the other person what's wrong with them all the time, number one, it's exhausting. Number two, it really doesn't get us anywhere. We can have help. The Congress can have robust debates and we can, you know, do that. But fundamentally is regular Joe average citizens. I mean, serving is the way. And if we serve together, I mean, I, that happens at the Turner foundation. We have people from all points on the spectrum. We, we, you know, people that, that in partners and I see other nonprofits that are doing amazing work. When, when the focus is on serving, then all that nonsense and, and division and fighting kind of becomes secondary, which I love. So, so we're about service. I think you're right. I think Christians, unfortunately, have gotten a reputation as angry and as, you know, judgmental and that, that can happen. That can happen in any kind of posture where it's like, I had a mentor of mine who was a Catholic priest many years ago. I went down and see him in Riverside. He'd been a friend of our family for 30 years. Really, I really respected him. And he said, Dean, I think I have identified the most dangerous words in the English language. And I was like waiting on bated breath, like, well, what is this going to be? He said the words, I'm better than you. I reflected on that for many years. If If we have a posture or attitude or belief that I'm better than you because of how I believe or because I'm religious or whatever the reason, that's, that's not good. That's, that's very dangerous. Because then we're looking down and then the other person can feel it. The other person can feel that I'm better than you. So you can have your strong convictions. No one wants to take those away, but you can't have an attitude of I'm better than you or have malice in your heart. 
because then nobody cares what you believe. <laughs> it turns out nobody cares. But if you love, if you leave, if you love, if you live a life of love and you're accepting and you're tolerant and you're gracious and compassionate and serving, they might actually have an interest in what you believe at that point. They might say, you know what, what is the deal? And then you can say, well, you know, God changed my life, which in my case he has, but, but, but we need to go back, Josh. I really believe keep the strong convictions. That's not, that's not the point, but malice toward none. No more. I'm better than you. You're not, (laughs) but you're not. And believe me, I was humbled. Like you can't believe some people have to get humiliated to be humble. That was my case. I had to like be on the ground, you know, where I couldn't even, I couldn't even see straight to get to a place. I got to turn this off. Hold on. Sure. Alexa, turn off. Don't you hate it when she just starts playing music in the middle of an interview? Uh, <laughs> so anyway, that's a long answer to, I'm sorry if I went, went on. Yeah. I really, I think you're onto something. I think we need, you know, th- th- that, uh, you know, Christian people of faith in general need to make sure that we always keep humble and check our hearts and, Malice toward none, focus on service. And that, and then, but and again, that doesn't have to mean you check all of your convictions at the door. You can have those. Nobody's trying to take those away on either side. Right. It, yeah. But I, it's the heart. I've always found most of the time you get in a room and you get to know somebody, you have a conversation and you share about your lives that you find that you learn to, the minimum, develop some empathy, but you might actually have things in common right and you learn to get away from party registration or labels right. and be like oh yeah we kind of agree here and would do the same thing in these situations um even though that's we're right. supposedly different you know and and yep. i think that's it and also i do think that there's a lot of misunderstanding right i think that people on the left don't understand that whatever you fear is probably not real with with most Christians, and then I think some Christians are get it wrong too, in that they think, oh, all of you are out to think this one thing, but you know we're much more united if we actually talk. And I always yeah. tell everybody, like, stop watching cable news, <laughs> stop yeah. watching these talking talk shows, whether it's Fox News or MSNBC or One America, like, stop. Because that's not real. Like, we have to go out into the real world and interact with people. And as a community, we depend on each other. We don't want to be living silos, like, separately. Like, look at their protest. Here's our protest. Look at their issues. Here's our issues. Ideally, you can find some common ground in the middle. Totally. Too many people pay attention to that national conversation which is all about entertainment right it's not about real right ratings yeah yeah exactly so if you've actually if you do volunteer in the community you've got to interact with people you learn to like people you know yeah no i totally josh and that's what i love about you by the way i mean in in journalists like you i mean man it's that part of the national media is really suffering to put it mildly because you're, it's, it's basically like we have these cable networks that are devoted to one side. And then, yeah, if you watch that all night, you're going to be angry <laughs> by the end of the night. And yeah. you're going to, you're going to think that 
you know, the other side is truly destroying the country, like by tomorrow at noon, like, like that's, that's the narrative and, and it is ratings generated and personality generated. And so, so it's, uh, it's, it's very divisive and destructive. I love real journalists like you who are willing to, you know, call balls and strikes and get to know people. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. The the oh. vast majority of human beings, well, whatever side they're on, you have to get to know them. Yeah. And you'll find out they're probably, you know, they're probably people who are just trying to put food on the table, love their family, and but think differently than you do about whatever issue. Fine. Yeah, uh, I was I, I taught a class called engagement journalism at CSUN a year ago, and I talked about people's fault lines, meaning not like personal fault, but where they stand. And so much of how we feel is based off of our geography. Like where were we raised? Where were we born? Yep. What was our experience? You know, so you're 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 born in Orange County, the son of yep. a pastor. Right. Conservative Orange County. Like right. it makes sense that you're going to go down that route, right? And somebody else who's not born in that environment, it makes sense that they're gonna go down a certain route. Neither is better. Like no, right. no one is no one is you're not better if you're wealthier. You're not better right. if you are first, you know, generation to do something. Everybody has value and impact, you know, and I think people, we tend to look at things from our own personal, like, this is my experience, and anyone who disagrees with it is wrong, and so we have to understand, like, you, your experience is your gift, it's your asset, it's your voice, and you bring that into the world to affect other people, and hopefully they learn from you, and you learn from them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good attitude. I always say great journalism is like as close to God as you can get in the secular world because it's truth. It's honesty. Like that's right. I've been trying to just here's here's information as inclusive as possible. And here it is. And you can decide for yourself. And that's you can do that with local journalism. You know, you get on the network and it's like all about entertainment. But um, you know, I think these are good reminders to think about. Um, you know, I know you talked about your, you know, what are you, obviously one of the biggest challenges of your life. Um, so I want to just sort of ask you, like, like for people, you know, you're a son of a pastor. You obviously uh, talk and, you know, lead prayers and, you know, you're, you're very spiritual in the community. But what you say to people who are uh, saying, oh, the good life, come on, that's easy for you to say because, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you're... <clears throat> excuse me, you have a certain way of life, you know, your standard of living is good, uh, you're doing well, but, you know, here I am, I have X, Y, and Z challenges, and no one is helping me, and I'm all on my own, and it's hard to be good all the time and have that positive aspect when I'm struggling to pay the rent, you know? What would you say to people, no matter where they're at? Yeah. It's important to focus on the positive. Yeah, and I yeah, and and uh, certainly I'm uh, I, I get it in terms of I've been down and out and 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 you know and by no means wealthy. I mean we we're obviously we're living in Santa Barbara, which is unbelievable. But but um, you know we're we're you know grinding. I understand grinding just to to both parents working in the home and and. Uh, and you know, trying to provide, it's not easy these days, even for regular quote unquote people. You know, uh, the middle class. I mean, it's it's gotten even tough with 
recently with just just making it but but i've also been down and out i i totally get it and um and that's why our heart is to help those folks so low-income people i mean well, that's why we do the how the hopeful housing model that we do at the turner foundation we try to help them serve them practically so i i get it um what my message would be you know in terms of good life i i believe good life real good life not fan not cars because cars don't get you there uh cars don't get you there a big house even in a, if you had an estate in Montecito and cars and whatever you still have to live there you you know wherever you are wherever you go there you are right the good life is an inside job and i believe it's it's of course in my experience i believe it's really a fa- really related to faith and um but i believe that real good life is available to everybody it's available to people. I have friends, very close friends in Kenya, um, where, you know, if you look at the average earnings for the year or what they're living on, uh, you know, w- oftentimes I think in, in places like the United States, we, we actually have no idea how many people in the world are living. And I've ta- so I've had Zoom calls recently with some of these Kenyan friends and, and talking and encouraging and helping, but it's, I believe the good life. So I talked to this guy named Adams the other day, he contacted me on Instagram, saw our TV show and contacted me. I reached out and he says, can we talk? So we talk, here's a kid. I think he's 18. He's in, he's in Nairobi. You know, you talk about challenges, but I believe, and I shared this with him in terms of turning to God, believing uh, that g- real good life is available r- to anybody in the world. And it's even available if the circumstances don't necessarily improve immediately, because I believe you can find peace and joy and um, in with God. That's my personal opinion. And, and that's my experience. And so therefore it is available to everyone. Now we hope we want, circumstances to improve and that's why i'm trying we're trying to do everything we can for as many people as we can special needs families the foundation house we started is 18 to 24 year old kids who are homeless which is a huge problem in the county you wouldn't know that but it's it's a problem we're trying to get two more of those houses started this year why because we want to help like so we certainly want to help circumstantially but fundamentally i believe good the good life is an inside job and it has to do with your faith journey with god i think it's available i think it's available and it's not available only if you get this problem solved because that that cycle will never end oh if i only get this job oh if i only had this wife oh if i only had you know we can do that all day long our whole lives. Yeah. Well, if this circumstance changes, then I'll be good. I, I'm thinking about that right now for me. There's some major challenges. I don't want to live a life where it's always about, well, once I get here, then I'll be okay. Well, no, you're, this is life. I don't even have tomorrow. I don't have tomorrow. I've had friends drop dead. My healthiest people, they take a run and have a brain aneurysm or they, you know, I have a friend, cancer comes like time is short. Time is very short on earth. And I believe the good life's available for everybody, but we can't, it can't just be circumstantially based. And so that's easy. That's, it's easy to criticize somebody who's saying that, who's sitting in an office like this. Well, I I say it to my friends in Nairobi and believe me, I've had the experience of going from 
the haves to like being down and out. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand. I've I've gone to a clothing closet at a rehab center to get a new t-shirt because I needed to teach. That's where I was. So I totally, by heart, I have huge compassion and somebody who's bound up in addiction, whatever it is, if you're watching, like, I get it. I get it. And life is not, this is no picnic. We're on planet earth and it's life is, can be very hard. That's not at odds to me with the fact that the good life's available. Life can be very, there's somebody right now, Josh, as we're doing taping this program, who's walking into an oncology clinic, right? To start and fighting for their life, right? We have to, you know, circumstances are hard and, you know, life is short. Life is short. And that's why I think we need to focus on the good life and the good stuff. And I think you can do it as an 18 year old kid in Nairobi who's doesn't know, you know, trying to get his next meal like the kid I talked to or somebody in Montecito who has the big house, but is totally empty and just popping pills because they don't, they don't have any peace. Same thing. Same thing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So anyway, that's another long answer, but I really believe the good life. I really think it's not, you don't have to get the cars and the houses to, to get there. It's something that can happen and it's an inside thing. And I, I believe. And then in the meantime, we want to serve. We want to try to serve as many people as we can. That's our heart. How can we help? How can we serve? How can we bless? How can we provide? In our case, it's mostly around housing, uh, but we want to do whatever we can. And and that's how I want to spend my life, you know, is is trying to focus on how we can help. Yeah, you probably don't listen to her, but one of my favorite artists is Alanis Morissette, and she has a song called Incomplete, and she talks about, Stop trying to get to the finish line. Yeah. Life is incomplete and enjoy every step along the way. Because if you're always worried about the next big thing, you aren't enjoying what you're experiencing right now. And that that theme is universal. And for me, the good life is hearing my children laugh. Yes. Yes. Watching them eat. Like watching them eat is such like, wow. (laughs) <laughs> pleasure out of eating and they're enjoying themselves and it's fulfillment you know totally. that's a good life and whether that's in yep. an apartment or house or mansion yep. or you know on the sidewalk or wherever like that yep. is what 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 matters and i think people need to remember you don't find rewards from things or even like other people in their validation of you you find rewards in what you can you can experience in your home. I totally absolutely you that it's your own laugh, right? But it's appreciating you and what you can control and and, and manage and what you're responsible for. You know, you can't change the world if your house is in disarray. Yep. And that's something totally Josh. That's exactly right. And you get and and that's 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 right. And we miss it sometimes. Because we're so focused on the destination, we miss the journey. We, so we're so focused on, I got to get here, I got to get there. And if I, until I get there, I'm not going to be okay. I'm guilty of this. I'll just tell you. And you miss the laugh. You miss the meal. You miss the delighting in your children like you're talking about. Absolutely. And that's where a focus on the good and the good life and the, and, and, and the whatever's positive, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's noble, whatever dwell on these things that's what you're doing when you're when you're delighting in your child 
over the dinner table. That's exactly right. right. And, and, and that, and you're, and you're right. The journey, you know, let's not be so destination oriented. Let, let's realize today's part of my journey. I woke up. God has a purpose for me. I woke up. I never know if you're going to wake up, you know, you know, you don't know. And then you woke up. So, so you got today. And what, what's the, what about the journey? Can I dwell on? What can I delight in? How can I encourage somebody else? How can I email somebody out of the blue just to bless them and say, I'm thankful for you or text them? Do weird things. Do weird things. Text people. Text people and just say, I like you. I, you know, that kind of thing. And then delighting in your kids, like you said, that this changes your life today. Yes. Didn't get to a new destination. You don't have to get to a new destination to do that. That can happen today for anybody. And so, yeah, great example. Well, uh, Dean, I really appreciate our time together. I feel like we could do this quarterly or something and keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I'd love I to. Talk to you. I could talk to you for another hour. Uh, but um, we should. You got to come on my show, by the way. I, I'm just saying. Yeah. I did yours. I, you got to do mine. Oh, I'd love to do that, especially because. <laughs> You've got that beautiful setting, you know, you've got oh, yeah, you know, yeah. doors and it looks so nice. And, you know, you, I think you have a bigger budget than I do. For my yeah. shows. Well, not but, big, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I'd, lo- I'd love to, um, you know, and sort of turn the tables around a little bit. I'd love to do that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. Let me know. But um, thanks so much for sharing your story, uh, for being vulnerable, for being inspirational, for being honest. And, uh, in doing all that, you are a, a role model because anybody can see, well, that guy can do everything that he's done and share his story. And he cares, you know, and he's love is emanating from him. So I appreciate it, uh, uh, Dean Wilson. And uh, thank you. Forward to talking to you, talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.